After the service this morning, there's a cookie extravaganza. You can go over to the fellowship hall uh, and uh, make a donation and pick up a box of cookies. Uh, and you want to do that because all the proceeds go to help the youth group. And so let's do that this morning. Go get your cookies immediately after church. Uh, we all need Christmas cookies, don't we? Uh, also, we want to remember that the last children's play practice is this coming Saturday at 915 and there'll be a pizza party uh, after the play practice. And also, that also means that next Sunday uh, is the uh, Christmas program from the children. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, uh, we uh, just want to make a quick announcement. Everything concerning the Paris Foundation, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's all done, been taken care of. So we don't need anything extra there. Uh, so, the, uh, so we don't want to miss uh, taking part in the, uh, I'm looking for it, where is it, it's right, WMU, right, WMU Fruit Baskets are Saturday, December the 10th, uh, at one o'clock in the afternoon uh, to uh, pack the fruit baskets and they need bags with six cookies in each bag. So if you can do that, that would be a great, great big help. And next Sunday is the offering for uh, our uh, associate pastor, Michael and uh, his family. I wanna encourage you to be praying about that already and uh, you give as the Lord directs and I know he'll bless you for it. But today it's our regular tithes and offerings. We're gonna ask our ushers to come forward uh, for our regular Sunday morning tithes and offerings. We also take offerings on Sunday night now. We stopped that for a little while, but we're doing it uh, again now. So Sunday morning and Sunday evening, you have an opportunity to give your tithes and offerings. So some of you are thinking, you know what, I'll just wait till tonight. Don't do it. You never know what might happen. Amen? <laughs> Willie, ask God's blessing on the offering. 
Amen. just be here, Nat. <laughs> it is doing it. You may be seated.
Yeah. 
than a brother there is no judgment oh how he loves me I've got a friend and he is my strength he is my portion with me in the valley 
With me in the fire, he's with me in the storm. Let all my life testify. God really loves us. God really loves us. And hallelujah. Oh, praise my soul. God really loves us. God really loves us. His mercy is enough, His grace is sufficient, so come if you're needing forgiveness or healing, His mercy is enough, oh, and this is our hope, the crossing has spoken, and death is no more. And Christ is the Lord. Oh, this is our home. Hallelujah. We are not alone. God really loves us. God really loves us. God really loves us, and oh, oh, oh sing, oh, 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 what a father, what a friend, what a savior he. to belabor but I just feel like the Holy Spirit's moving and hearts need to just hear and maybe listen you heard that song the first time but it takes time for us to think about the words and and hear what's coming across to us and boy I just want you to come across with this today is this Jesus is he the best friend that you've ever had is he that real in your life is this everything to you think about the words of this song he can be all of those things. Think about what we've already sung about today. I, I've been changed, and I don't want to go back to the way that it was before. Maybe in your life you've felt the change of God, but you've felt yourself slipping back. And you know that those things, there's nothing good for you back there, but you find yourself going back. I want you to just rededicate your life. Bring it back to God this morning. But if you do not know this friend Jesus... 
If you honestly can't say he's your best friend, the dearest friend you've ever had, if you can't say that you are in love with him, there is a problem with your relationship with Christ. I'm going to be that bold this morning to go ahead and say that. If he's not the best friend in your life, there's a problem with that relationship. And you need to get it straightened out this morning. Listen to the words of these songs as Daryl sings it and think about your relationship with Christ this morning. His mercy is enough. His grace is sufficient. So come if you're needing forgiveness or healing. His mercy is enough. Oh, this is our hope. The cross it has spoken. Death is no more. And Christ is the Lord. Oh, this is our hope. Hallelujah. We are
It's been wonderful already to be in the house of the Lord. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 2. Matthew chapter number 2. We've been doing some Christmas sermons, uh, trying to uh, think about Christmas and those themes, and the Lord's blessed us already uh, with a few of the things that we looked at. And uh, this morning we're going to go back to some of those as well again. Matthew chapter number 2, normally I mark them, but I did not mark them this morning. Matthew chapter number 2, and uh, I want us to go down, start reading verse number 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1, stand with me if you would. You've been sitting for a minute or two, and uh, that'll give you an opportunity to stretch your legs just for a moment this morning. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when, king, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. You remember, that's what we've been looking at this Christmas season. This are the things the prophet has written down, and there verse number 6 gives us that. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come in the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the Word of God, and we're thankful that we can open it up. Dear Lord, we're thankful for your Spirit that has already been present with us this morning and how you've blessed our hearts. Once again, we are overwhelmed, dear God, that you seem to pour out your blessings. And dear Lord, we are, though, this morning here for a very specific purpose. We are here because we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ changes lives. We believe that it takes those things that are broken and it makes them new. We believe, dear God, that it takes the least and makes them mighty. And dear God, this morning, I believe in my heart that there might be someone here whose life is broken, who's, uh, uh, who doesn't uh, feel that they have a real direction or a real purpose. And dear God, we believe that your spirit and the power of the word of God and the blood of Jesus Christ has the power to turn those things around. We believe, dear God, that what you have shown us, even through the Christmas spirit, is that, dear God, you have shown us a way that there is hope in a baby in a manger who became the Savior of the world. And, dear God, any man who puts his faith and trust in them finds life and life abundant. 
real life, changed life. Dear God, I pray that if there's someone in this building today who has never, never met Jesus Christ, has not come and given their heart and their life to Him, dear God, today would be the day that they would stop uh, uh, just wandering around, that they would stop living for themselves, but that they would today live for Jesus. We pray that you'd help us. We're thankful for your word. Dear God, we pray that you'd use it mightily today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're pretty familiar uh, with this passage of scripture being as it's part of the Christmas story and we read it every year. I don't feel like I need to give a recount of it, but you probably can go home and do that uh, as a part of what you've heard. We're familiar with it. But what is interesting to us today is that as these wise men come to Herod and they are trying to find out where the Christ, the Messiah, is going to be born, they ask Herod where it will be. And Herod has his wise men, his scribes, and it says there in verse number four to us, and he gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together and demanded of them where Christ should be born. He had enough knowledge and enough understanding to know that the Bible would direct him, the Word of God, the Old Testament, would guide them as to where Jesus would be born. And sure enough, they found it, and they found it in Micah chapter number 5. So, I want you to turn with me to the book of Micah this morning. Micah chapter number 5. It's a small book of the, uh, a prophet. Uh, in the Old Testament, and we're going to go there and look at a few things and notice what we can find there. So in Micah chapter number 5, I hope you've found your way there already. Verse number 2, it says this, But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me. This is to be the ruler in Israel." whose goings forth have been from old, from of old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty, in the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide for now shall he be great under the ends of the earth. All I want to do this, moment, this morning for a few moments is take a look at the book of Micah. I've already told you a little bit about how this would work and how this would play for the people that would hear these things and understand those. And so I want us to put ourselves a little bit in those shoes today as we go back. For the scribes and for these uh, uh, chief priests who would be reading this and also sharing it with others, these people who knew these books and understood them, what would be related to them and what would they understand? And so this morning I want us to just think of three things real quick that we find out of this. The first one is the book of Micah itself. The book of Micah is an interesting book that follows a pattern that we've already talked about with the prophecies of the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophets, unfortunately, had a very uh, similar job, each one. They had to come and bring messages to God's people, and they usually weren't good messages. They were messages that, listen, it's time to change your ways. It's time to move in another direction. Or guess what? Destruction is going to come to the land of Israel. It's going to come to the land of Judah, specifically to Judah in the book of Micah. And this was their job. They were trying to warn the people that, listen, God is expecting more of you. God is expecting you to live according to his commandments, and he is looking for this. Otherwise, his judgment will fall upon you. Now, that message is still true today, isn't it? It really hasn't changed much, has it? Guess what? There's a world that still needs to hear that message. There's a world that still needs to have an understanding. And I know that it is not the one we want to preach. It's not the way that we think that people are going to be drawn to Christ. 
but it is still the most prescribed way from the Word of God that we preach that men are sinners in need of Jesus Christ. And if they do not accept Jesus Christ and repent from the life that they are living now and turn to Christ and turn from their wicked ways, then destruction is real for them. It's still true. I want you to understand that this morning. We look across the building and thank God for a house that's full and for so many of us in here. But I want us in here this morning to have a clear understanding about what God is requiring. You look, this is starting to overwhelm me. How, how over and over in the Old Testament, the same message is being preached. Repent and turn from your wickedness and turn towards God. Over and over, so many prophets keep saying this. And what do you think the problem is? Is that the people are not hearing the message. Their eyes are blinded for whatever the reason. They're they are caught up in their own life. They're caught up in their own scheme of things. And somehow, Satan or even self-deception, which let's get real with ourselves, can be just as powerful as Satan's deception... When you deceive yourself and you think that everything's okay and Mike's not talking to me this morning, Mike's talking to that other person over there. I know who they are. I, the, I, he's talking to that person over there who hadn't been to church in a month. He's not talking to me. I don't know who I'm talking to, but the Holy Ghost knows who, he, knows who he's talking to this morning. And you know too. I'm talking to the one who has never truly repented of their sins. They're living a life that appears Christian, appears right, just like the Jewish people. The Jewish people could keep the rules and they could follow all the good stuff, but their hearts were far away from God. And so over and over, he had to preach the message of repentance to them. And this is what comes from the book of Micah. But here's something that's also interesting and I'm getting off on the wrong things, but the Holy Ghost is telling us what to preach this morning anyway. What is also interesting about the book of Micah is Micah starts to deal with very specific sins. Number one, he starts to deal with their idolatry. But here's the one that kind of sets Micah apart from all the others. Micah, the book of Micah, starts to deal with the fact that these people, the Jewish people, even under the guise of the law and even under the guise of the, the rule of Moses, were starting to exploit the poor and needy among them. Go ahead and read the book. I don't have time to go through everything today, but if you go right back to chapters 1 and 2, specifically chapter number 2, you're going to see how Micah the prophet calls them out for the selling of land and for, the, and for the taking of possessions from them that are poor and exploiting them and using them for their own gain. And he says to them, this is the most despised thing that you could do, that you would look upon those that are needy and that you would somehow exploit that for your own gain. He says, how wicked is that of you that you would do that? Now, I don't want to go and preach too much on this this morning because I've got a couple other points, but I just want you to take, uh, take that thought and try to make the application for where we're living today. Unfortunately, we live in a time and a place where there's a lot of people who are exploiting those that are less fortunate than them. It just happens. As a matter of fact, unfortunately, even our government can be good at doing that from time to time. And we find ourselves in this unique place where we see that taking place. Why does that happen? And what, and I just want us to stop and think, what kind of, because I look around in here and I can see you saying, Mike, those things don't apply to us. We're trying to be good people in here. We're trying to serve our community. We're a good church that reaches out and tries to, and you're right, we, we do try to do that. But what I want you to think about this morning as you go to this, is I want you to be honest and real with yourself about what it is that you personally are doing when it comes to the poor, when it comes to those that are in need around you, because this is a direct reflection of your heart and your relationship to Jesus Christ. 
You might say, Mike, I think you're making a stretch this morning, but I think this is very important because what Micah is saying to the people is that because you have no heart for the poor, then it's showing that you have no heart for God. Boy, it got real quiet, didn't it? Amen. I know it's going to get quiet. This is not real fun, but we're still going to go ahead and preach it this morning. Because we have convinced ourselves, and this is one of the things that I think is going on in the Old Testament, is constant self-examination of where we stand with Jesus Christ. This is so important that we constantly and continuously look at ourselves and go, is my relationship with Christ real? And what is God's word saying shows a real relationship to Jesus Christ. And I look at this and I see that he says, look out there. Look what you're doing to the poor among you. Look at what's going on as you treat them and, uh, and exploit them for your own gain. And you have no sympathy and you have no love. And there's nothing in your heart that helps you to understand them. And that is showing that you do not understand the love of Jesus Christ. That's what it's showing us. And so this morning I want you to examine your own heart as you look out and say, how do I view the poor? How do I view the poor? Are they an annoyance? Do they get in your way? Are you the one that maybe, maybe you started out and you're like, I heard that, I'm going to try to help out. And you go out there and you help somebody out and then they take advantage of your help. And you go, you know what, I'm done with that. I did that once, they took advantage of me. I'm not going to do that anymore. Did Jesus tell us and does the word of God tell us to stop when we are taken advantage of? No. Matter of fact, here's the other thing. There's just such a big problem out there. How can we ever fix everything? We're never going to be able to fix it all. So why even bother? The Bible already tells us the poor you'll have with you always. He never told you you're going to fix the problem. See, you keep coming to these things from the wrong attitude and from the wrong aspect. And you're looking at it through your own eyes and what you're going to do. But God is saying in his word, listen, I'm trying to help you understand something. Listen, this is important. And this is the bulk of the message this morning. I'm trying to help you understand something about you. Because when you came to me, it doesn't matter how rich you were. It doesn't matter how much power you had. It doesn't matter if you are the king of Babylon like Nebuchadnezzar. Before God himself, he saw him as nothing. And as a matter of fact, there's a good amount of time that he roamed out in the woods and ate grass like a beast in front of God. This is how we are. We are poor and we are needy in front of God. And your prideful spirit leaves you at a place where you have no care for the poor and you have no need of God's care in your life because you think you've got it all under control. That heart, God will reject. He's going to reject that just as he rejected Judah in the book of Micah. It has no place with him. As a matter of fact, this week I was... One of my good friends, Travis Sharp, who we all know, who does so much work with the homeless, he shared on uh, Facebook, maybe you saw it, that his life verse was Proverbs 28, 27. It says, he that giveth to the poor shall not lack, but he that, lay, uh, he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. God has given us this opportunity in the world that we live in to take care of those that are needy because not because it's going to solve all of their problems, not because it's going to fix everything in the world and we'll feel like we've done but it has more to do with teaching us about who we are in comparison to God himself. See, we see this all throughout Jesus' teachings. Jesus told that parable where there was the one man that owned a hundred and a hundred and, he, and he, the guy forgives him and he goes out and the gentleman that owed him 10, he demanded him from, that, from him from that very moment. And he's saying, listen, he does not understand the love and the forgiveness that's been shown to him and because of that, he can't show any love and forgiveness in return. This is so important. Those that know the love of God and realize how wretched and poor they were before a holy God, they want to go out and help 
the wretched, and the poor. It's God's heart moving on them. It's God's heart moving through them. Now, I want to be careful because I want to give you one little practical thing as I share this. This, is, this does not mean that all of us should run out there and sign up for the homeless ministries around us right at this moment. There's lots of poor and needy in lots of different ways. Maybe it's your neighbor that just needs some help. Maybe it's your own family member that just needs some help. Whatever that is, what I'm saying is, is there is, there, our hearts should be moved by those who have a need. Because God's heart was moved by our need. It's a miracle that he did what he did. And here we are at Christmas time, celebrating the greatest gift we've ever seen. The gift of God's son into our life. Are we going to receive that gift and walk merrily on our way as if it were nothing? As if we deserved it? Or are we going to understand what he's done for us? First, I see the book of Micah and the extraordinary things it is again. I'm going to move along quickly. Number two, I see the town of Bethlehem itself that's brought to us right here. It is the house of bread. It is the city of David. It is the city of shepherds. Can I tell you, there's no time to do this today, but you just need to go out and do some studying on shepherds. I think without a doubt, it might be the most powerful metaphor that God has put in the word of God for us. That there are these people that care for those, those sheep and those lambs in such a way that it just keeps over and over depicting Jesus Christ's love for us. Metaphors are only as powerful as long as they last, and most of them break down really quickly. But this metaphor of the shepherd, it just keeps giving to us beauty and wonder of what Jesus Christ has done for us and will do for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll tell you, that's good words right there. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Out of the town of Bethlehem, out of the house of bread, came the shepherd of all shepherds, and his name was Jesus Christ. And I am so happy this morning to say that the Lord is our shepherd. He is everything. I have heard his voice and I responded to my shepherd. And even though I go astray often, he comes and he finds me again and brings me back into the fold. The Lord is my shepherd. Boy, I hope that you can say that today. I hope that with everything that is within you, that as you examine your heart, that you could say, the Lord is my shepherd. I know what he has done for me. Lastly, in this passage of scripture, and I do not have the time, but I see once again, as is so common with our prophets, that there is a remnant. A remnant. This, folks, is interesting. There's only a few that hear the shepherd's voice. It is not the majority. It is not. I believe this calls us to a constant self-examination of our life. To say, have I genuinely heard the master's voice? Am I a part of the remnant? Do I know what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Do I know him? Do I know him? Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Two questions for you. This is our invitation. Does my heart beat with the same heart as Christ? Do I see the poor? And do I long to help? Number two. Do I know the shepherd's voice? Do I know his voice? And have I responded? Your Heavenly Father,
we want to thank you for the word of God. Lord, we love your word and it speaks to us. And we are overwhelmed by it. We're amazed that you love us. Dear God, this morning, if there is one among us, maybe they've heard the shepherd's call, but at the same time, God, they have never responded. I pray that they would this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we stand How and... deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin 